You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. And now that heart is beating fast, and that's the rhythm I can dance to. Oh, I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to, that one big heart that's beating fast. Tomorrow morning, let it rain. Tomorrow morning, let it pour. Tonight we're in the groove together. Ain't gonna worry about stormy weather. Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and drunk. Beat out old well we are boys and girls, children, adults, what else, Martians who are complaining about helicopters going over their homes. Yes, this is Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR. No, we don't have a guest. The guest obviously um, had some uh, serious issues to deal with and uh, we uh, offer them our condolences and hopefully they'll be able to resolve the issues uh, quickly. So, my erudite producer, Kelly, has come up with this concept that instead of wasting the program by having one interview, we are going to, we've got a whole board for interviews, we're going to give you a few minutes here and a few minutes there, and in between, we are going to encourage you, Kelly and I, and you'll hear her soon, because she's very, very loud, you'll hear her soon. <laughs> Oh, she's the least loudest person I know. Isn't that right, Kelly? Is that right, Joe? <laughs> well, I've never heard you loud, so I've never heard you berate people like I do. No, I, mean, I don't berate people. You're always looking for the best in people. I oh, am. Yeah. <laughs> That's the, not a bad thing, you know. <laughs> see, this is, the, this is the great thing. If you come into Radical Australia and tell us your story, you may be frightened of me. But Kelly will ensure that I do not start frothing at the mouth. That's I'll be a soft place to fall. Yeah, yeah. You know, the good cop, bad cop, <laughs> you know. But no, seriously, look, I'm not interested in big names. Not that big names would come on Radical Australia because we don't pay them. We don't do paid journalism as we see on 60 Minutes and the other, you know, so-called big name shows. I'm interested in people who've done something in their lives, not extraordinary things, but have muddled through life, given some time to the community, been involved in activities, because I think it's important that we uh, share uh, these stories because, unfortunately, we all die. We all die. And 3CR has been around for almost, was it, 44 years and it's got an extraordinary amount of people have gone through 3CR or listened to 3CR over the last four and a half decades. And we really haven't heard from many of you. And whether you're 15 
or 97, or we have interviewed a 97-year-old, and we have interviewed a 15-year-old. Before your time, Kelly, mm. there are people under <laughs> 20 who listen to the show. And there are people before me who have produced. Yes. Of course. Dale. 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 Andy. And no, Dale, Dale, Dale. Dale. Producer, uh, we used to be, um, Andy was the talkback with attitude. But that's another story. So, but the thing is, you know, we've had a lot of uh, people come through, maybe about three, four hundred interviews we've done over the last ten years or so, uh, seven or eight years. But uh, we're always looking for new interviews. Now, I'm going to give you a phone number to ring. That's my number. And then being, you know, a really lazy human being, I will then pass on the details to Kelly, who will contact you. But you can leave your details on uh, my phone because I am really interested in talking to people. I don't do any research on you. You can relax. If you've got a criminal record as long as you're armed, it doesn't matter. You come into the studio or if you can't come into the studio, we will do telephone interviews. The quality's not as good, but we will do them if you can't come into the studio. You come into the studio, we have a chat, you leave the studio, and then, you know what the positive is, Kelly, about doing an interview on Radical Australia? What's that, Joe? They can use excerpts at your funeral. That's right. That's right. I mean, I've been to a lot of boring funerals in my life, and I've known a lot of interesting things about people, and it's never come out. But could you imagine? There you are. There's the assemble, the family, the friends, the enemies, the inheritors of the estate, all waiting expectantly. And there's your voice booming over the PA system at your funeral. Not kidding. Worthwhile. It is. Because death is the end of life. Even if you think it's there's another world, it's the end of life on planet Earth. Mm. Nobody's come back. Although I think one chap came back, but he left. Didn't like it. He left. After he rose from the dead, he left. All right, Kelly. Now, well, you just got to push some buttons. How, yeah, how is it going to work? So are you going to, are you going to give us a name after or before? Well, whatever you like. I haven't given them the phone number. Oh, you better do that. Yeah, and I better turn it on because <laughs> we, we had a uh, nice – oops, that's the phone going on. See, this is real. You're listening to Radical Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on – no, streaming on 3cr.org.au. And this program will be podcast. Doesn't matter how boring it is, it will be podcast. <laughs> Sorry, it's going to be podcast. Now, this is a reaction to the interview last week with Minnie the Moocher. Radical Australia host Joseph Toscano. Boy, this is very in depth. Mobile phone number, that's my number. This is the number you ring if you want to be interviewed on. Radical Australia, or no, have a conversation. We don't do interviews, we have conversations on 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Hello, Joe. Yeah, I'm not talking to myself. This is what's on the SMS. Listening to you and Minnie, Amy, chat and conclude some chat. I conclude sometimes you are a legend at steering a conversation. Oh. Is that why you're reading it out? You want no, to, no, 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 because I'm a legend. It's just, I just, I just, just, look, I'm not that good at steering a conversation, so relax. If you want to come on Radical Australia, I'm not going to steer the conversation into any areas I don't want, you don't want the public to know about. You don't want the people at your funeral to know about, all right? All those extra children you've got out there, don't worry about it. But, uh, Look, what we do is when you come in, I ask you 
is there any part of your life you don't want to go into? And we keep away from that. So we do keep your confidences. So don't worry about that. First time I've laughed in such a long time. Maybe that's appropriate because last week was the end of the comedy festival. Such a great story to hear. You kept me just wanting me to hear more. No matter what topic, Minnie spoke about, thank you for making me laugh. I'd forgotten what this felt like. Minnie's life is so full, but her attitude to life is encouraging, compelling, and leaves me inspired. My mood just lifted so much. Thank you to Minnie, Kelly, and you. Take care. Stay safe. I'll keep the person anonymous, just in case they don't want their text read to the general public. But I think, I mean, there's two things out of that text. Is one, we do, we do have an impact. Radical Australia does have an impact on people, and that's the whole purpose is to, well, you look at somebody else's life and then you compare it with your own, you, you kind of see there are a lot of similarities, and we're all human apart from Kelly. We all have feet of clay apart from Kelly. She's a, a saint. I'm not sure whether Protestant, Roman, Catholic, Hindu, but she is a saint. Me, I'm just you know, an old man with feet of clay. So come in, have a conversation. Can't come in, we'll uh, negotiate regarding doing a telephone interview. So, Kelly, can I reassure people any more than that? Um, <clears throat> excuse me. No, that was great. Um, just that we really, um, we really love having people come in, don't we? And um, we That's love good. hearing about their life and mm, um, mm. we have a really nice time in the studio. And <laughs> <laughs> we do. Yeah. We do. Um, well, I'm very pleased winter's coming. Why is that? Three hot. Steaming bodies <laughs> in a little cubicle in midsummer. There's a lot of odours. <laughs> no, it's not like that. He's being silly. We've got air conditioning, haven't we? <laughs> That's Stable right. temperature at 3CR. We can afford, well, 3CR, I won't say we, 3CR can afford air conditioning. So it is an air conditioned environment. It is good to see. It's very hard conducting an interview, especially if you've done no research, which I don't, on the person involved. And some people, all I know is their name, and Kelly's really nice. She tells me 15 minutes before the interview the person's name. And uh, if you speak to somebody from the phone, on the phone, you don't see their body movements, their eyes, the fear in their eyes, the joy in their eyes uh, when you ask a particular question. So having them in the studio is a positive. And that, is, that has been one very big negative about COVID-19, not having people in the studio. But we can have them now, so that's good. Mm. So how are you going to run this show? What's going to happen? I think we should just go back through the archives and just pull out random episodes. And this one, the first one I've got lined up is from um, uh, May 2015. 2015. 15. So we're going back uh, five Six, and a half years. Yeah, yeah. And this is with uh, West Papuan activist, activist Sixta Dimitri Mumbo. Uh-huh. Okay, let's go. Here we go. Let's see if this works. Yep. Right. Right. So yeah. this is in Jaipura. In Jaipura, yes. The main so, city. Uh-huh. West Papua. That's right. So you said you're number six. I'm number six. So how did your poor mother cope? Actually, I think number six is the best. No, no, but how'd she cope? Her father, the father of the children's a political refugee out in the West Papua and who knows where, you know, trying to keep limb and life together. Yeah. So... Did you live alone with your mum or did, did, you, did you live with family? I live with my mum. Just it with was, your mum? Yeah, and my other sibling. It was tough, but 
she's she's a fighter and she's survivor. And what's her name? Rahmawati. Rahmawati. Yes. And is she still alive? She's passed away. 2013. And she's a fighter. She just never give up, I guess. So how did your family survive in Jayapura? My mum working as mm -hmm. a teacher. As a teacher, right. Yeah. And that's how we survive, mm -hmm. just based on my mum's salary. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's your dad's name? John S. Mambor. And is he still alive? He's passed away He's before passed I came away here. To, right. 12 years ago. So tell us about your dad. What was he like? Ooh, well, I you didn't know. know. I, I know him briefly because when he went to prison when I was three. What, 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 why did he go to prison when you were three? His involvement with the West Papuan movement. So in 1987? Not, yes. So that's, a, that's in the very early stages. Yes. So what part, what political organisation was he involved with? In West? OPM. He was with the OPM itself. Yeah. I was lucky he wasn't executed or summarily shot. Yes, he's actually going to prison and then he's one in the dead, uh, not dead list, but his life sentence. Yes. But he's behaved good in the right. prison. So That's let's why go back, let's go back. Yep. He, he went, he was a member of the OPM. Yes. So what does the OPM stand for? Organ, uh, organization Papua Merdeka, right. Papua Freedom, Freedom Papua. And, and they were formed in the early, in, in the 60s, yes. weren't they? When the Indonesians yep. took over from the Dutch. Right. And what type of activity was he involved in? Was he an organiser? Was he a, a guerrilla? He's the organiser. Mm -hmm. he's, he's still working for the government. If my dad not involved, this is going to be, but if my dad not involved with the OPM, we might be have a better life because my dad got a really good position in the government. So at that stage, he's in, working at the, the states, he's working for the government. So he's one of the people, who, few people who've been educated. Yes, the, he's right. actually got the. Uh, he's working for the library, mm -hmm. state library. So he got the position in the library as the CEO. Mm -hmm. And um, but he's involved with the West Papua movement, mm -hmm. and that's when his everything is gone. He's not. He's being um, sacked from his job, mm -hmm. and he being put in the prison when I was three. I still remember that was rain. And what were the charges? Do you remember? No, because my mom didn't allow me. He, right. she just. What I can remember vaguely is my mom just tell me that my dad going to hospital. He's going to hospital for, for a long, long time. time. <laughs> and uh, so he's, he was sentenced to life in prison, yeah. was he? Mm. And uh, how long did he serve in prison? He served there for 13 years. 13 years. And then he... Right. So that was an extraordinary interview. Extraordinary. Sister. Extraordinary interview. But the thing is about... Uh, we're universal. We don't care about uh, whether English is your first language or not. Um, I've had people whose first language... I've interviewed people whose first language is in English and... Some people's uh, understanding is much, much, much more limited than what we've just heard. And uh, we don't care about your sexual orientation. We don't care about your gender. We don't care about your race. We're just interested in you and your story. Now, that was a remarkable story. 
which we were able to share with listeners at 3CR. What do we have next, Kelly? We have... We have... Excuse me, I've got to put my microphone on. We have... Excuse me, you're the producer. You're supposed to know these things. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I, I don't know anything here. You're, you're who makes the show possible. We have... How, this is from uh, 31st of August 2016. Whoa. We have housing rights activist and anarchist Margaret Creer. Oh, yes. Here we go. Here's Margaret. Just sick of the sob bloody, stories. Bloody troublemakers. Yeah. No, no, just sob stories. <laughs> sob stories. You know, hundreds uh, of years of oppression. Oh, that's oh, true. It's giving me a headache. <laughs> and, uh, we asked two questions, as you know. Sure. As you know. We yes. only asked two questions. One takes 10 seconds and the other one takes 56 minutes. Okay. And the first question is, just to orientate our listeners, what year were you born? 1951. 51. Great year. Great year. I know a lot of people born in 51. Yeah, uh-huh. a lot of people. Yes, unfortunately we're on the way out, Margaret. Yes. Oh, we're hitting that age. Of, well, we'll uh, hit that age, Age, yeah. pension age. Well, they look at you. They look at mm. you and they think, oh, whenever I see a group of young people here at Free Sour say, I'm, I'm here to suck the life force out of you, you know. <laughs> I'm just so jealous of their youth. <laughs> now, Margaret, what's the first thing you ever can remember? I have a very distant remember mem- memory of when I was very little, and it's through my mother telling me, and right. probably I think it's real, but it was on a rocking chair and I fell off the rocking I think I was round two, so uh-huh. one or two, and I fell off the rocking chair and I cut here and there's a light mark I had for a while, yeah. for a long time actually, and it was the stitches. So it was obviously a big thing for her because she had to bring me into the hospital. This was in England where in I was England. born. Oh, so you're not Irish? No, just parents. Just British? Well, they. my, my father was anti-British, so there's a thing about not calling yourself British, but, you know. Uh, but I definitely am. I was born there. My passport's an English passport. Uh, English or British? In, well, it's got... I think it's a British passport. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah. think. Yeah. I mean, it is, the, it is the United Kingdom, you know. Well, not so united these days, no, but yes. No, but it was the United <laughs> Kingdom. And uh, so mm. I assume both your parents have died? No, my but mother's still alive. Here in, in Australia? In Brisbane. Oh. That's where I was brought up. This program's podcast, <laughs> so we can't say anything rude <laughs> about your mum. Tell us about your dad. Uh, he died a couple of years before my daughter was born around. He died in his 60s. He mm. had a pretty hard life, did construction work and um, worked at SEAQ, which is the electricity provider in Queensland. And um, his death may be due to cleaning the vats, which had asbestos in them, but it's never quite clear. And at that time, it wasn't known, but um, his death could have been that. But he was pretty fit a lot of his life. He played Irish hurling and did sport, and in his 40s jumped over the clothesline in our backyard. What, in, the Hills Hoist? No. Just the Well, this line. was pre-Hills Hoist, <laughs> even though they've been around a long time. But it was one of those yeah. clotheslines that's yeah, a straight-up one, and he on a vault. He was into the Olympic Games in a big way, yeah, especially yeah. the Melbourne ones. The ones he, like as a he was pretty harsh. I mean, I think he had a hard life in Ireland and went mm. off to World War Two, which was called taking the king's farthing or some. There was some uh, thing for people from the south in Ireland going and joining the British Army, which he did. So, mm. yeah. And it's a long um, tradition, you know. You know, at the Eureka yes. Battle mm. in 1854 down at Ballarat, there was many Irish among the police 
and uh, on the other Army. side, <laughs> yes, they were in, as they were in the trocade. Yes. And, people, and at one stage, there, there was actually two brothers. I was going to say that. I bet yeah. there were brothers against each other. There were brothers each other. Each other but uh, what they mm. did is the brother who was actually. Uh, well, you cut that off there. Now they don't know what the brothers did. So if you want to find out what the brothers did, you need to come to the Reclaim the Radical Spirit of the Eureka Rebellion celebrations, which will be held on the 3rd of December in Ballarat from 4am. So, But again, see, we gave you an insight. If you're kind of thinking about coming on the program and you're a bit concerned, it starts off very nice. We ask you what year you're born. Your first memory, so you can prepare for those first five minutes. And did you notice something about that little conversation? I'm not sure, Joe. Tell me. It was me. joyful. We were laughing. Yes, it's often joyful. Yeah, and, we, and it was peppered with facts. Yes. About the past and about the present. What else have you got, Rhonda? Uh, you might know this lady, Margaret Roadnight. Never heard of her. Never heard of her. Let's um, have a listen. <laughs> is, is that the person who does the introductory music? Oh, it might music? be. Might that person, that lady with the great voice who sings the intro oh, to the show. that's right. Yeah, Maybe it's her. Yeah, I remember her. Yeah, <laughs> let's see what we got. Here we go. Here's Margaret. I'm a oh, world musician boring. when I go overseas, but not here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, what about them? Oh, uh, my father. Well, they met when they were both sort of being clerks and... Um, Whatever, somewhere, but mm. um, and then the the war came along. Mm. And my father didn't immediately go. He was um, he was like an army cadet. He was also in the cavalry. <laughs> in the cavalry, in the yes. second. <laughs> I got a great photo of him in his cavalry uniform, um, and because he was breadwinner for his mother and his younger sister, uh, they didn't draft him immediately. In fact, they said, "No, keep stay out." But uh, he was raring to go, and he did a tiny bit in the army, and then immediately transferred to the air force. Became a flight lieutenant and crashed the odd plane. And, mm. um, and my mother, you know, was the house housewife, as we used to call them. But then my father got sick uh, after the war, and um, all of a sudden, and in fact, he'd risen to be deputy director of air force intelligence. Uh, spy, mm. and um, uh, he uh, then he had heart trouble, and they drummed him out of the regiment on an eighty percent disabled pension. So all of a sudden, my poor mother had to, uh, with a sick husband, three mm. children, mm. go back out and become the breadwinner. Right. So, what was like life like for a little girl in East Melbourne? Oh, great! Because we we. Uh, Lived exactly opposite Powlett Reserve, which is oh, a right, big yeah. playground, yeah. you know. Mm. And not only that, they had set up as a playground. There were tennis courts there, which I hung out at. And um, but then Victoria had a system. There was an association called the Playgrounds and Recreation Association of Victoria. I don't think it was duplicated elsewhere, but uh, people were trained. I think they were all women. They didn't have to be, but they all were um, to go set up clubhouses on playgrounds. So it was a combination of whatever kids could do indoors and outdoors. And um, Pallet Reserve was one of them. So mm -hmm. we had the clubhouse there. And, and in fact, that became my first job because I, li I liked going there so much that eventually I said, oh, I'll be a play leader. Mm -hmm. And uh, so taught art, craft, games, sports, whatever. Well, this is a 12-year-old. Now, well, I just went as... 
a kid, and mm. then I went back and later on did a yes. You got a diploma too. It's a mm. part-time two-year course, mm. and you know you taught art and craft and sports and games and to kids from three to seventeen really, and often they were associated with school. So kids would come maybe at mm. lunchtime and certainly after school and do mm. school holidays mm. and there'd be competitions between the playgrounds. And well. That shows you that you kind of conduct interviews in a different way, Kelly. Uh, some people are very hesitant when they come into the studio and you've got to draw things out of them and you ask a lot of questions initially until they feel comfortable. And then some people like Margaret, who's a performer, has been a performer all her life, well, she understands the gift of the gab and she, you just ask a question and they just roll on. Now, the dilemma is... When you've got a guest that's just rolling on and on, what you need to do is you need to curtail because people get a bit bored with the same thing. And so it's a matter of when you can get in to ask a question. So it uh, makes it those interviews, I find, more difficult than the ones where you've got to prod and poke people. What do you reckon? Um, yeah, it's interesting. You, I don't know. I think they, I think they both got their challenges. Yeah, yeah, they got their challenges, but um, what you're doing is you're doing an hour, you've got a lifetime. Now, if somebody's 15, it can be difficult to f- fill in the hour, like you can't ask them, tell us about your first sexual experience, you know. But <laughs> you can ask a few things and you concentrate on school, but if somebody's 80, well, you've got a whole lifetime that you, you want to cover. You're going to miss a lot of things, but... You want to cover the more pivotal moments in their lives. So uh, it is difficult doing a what I describe as a cold interview. But the difference is that if you do, my opinion, this is just an opinion, I most likely it's wrong, but it's an opinion. If you do a lot of research on a particular person, what happens is you focus on the areas you've researched and there may be other gems that you will not come across, the more humane aspect of them. Because this is not an interview about going, I was born here, I did this, I did that, and then I dine. This is an interview where I'm trying to uh, put some substance into the character of the person and who they are and uh, what they believe in and what they've done. So who have we got next? This is coming from the 20th of December 2017, Mario Pozega. Here we go. Here's Mario. No, not at all. No. Yeah. All right, let's get him back to yours. So where did you go to primary school? Um, it's called. It was called Sandown Park Primary Sandown School. Sandown Park. Yeah, it was. It's mm. kind of. We lived right near the race course there. All oh, right. Yep, yep. Yeah. But since then, it's changed like I don't know five, six times. I don't even know what it's called anymore. Mm, mm. Um, actually, yeah, I ended up going back to do some work there. Actually, which is quite interesting. Right. Um, Would be. Yeah. Do you recognise yeah. any of the teachers? The one teacher who was my grade six teacher, mm. who we thought were, was really old and needed to retire back then, <laughs> <laughs> was still teaching. What was it? Twenty years later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we, I was just like. Oh, and did yeah. she recognise you? Did you say he, Maria? Hey, did he, he recognise you? No. Nah. He didn't. Nah, no. I was kind of the quiet kid in class. Yeah, yeah. Nice and you were there to investigate his teaching technique. <laughs> That's <you>? right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, so did you excel at anything in primary school? Um, I don't know. I think I was just kind of an average kind Student. of kid. Yeah. 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 Just I was good through. at sports, I guess. Oh, what type of sports? Soccer, tennis. You play wog ball. Of course. 
in nineteen that, that was the sporting Springvale. Yeah, yeah. What was the club again? What's the Croatian club down there? Uh, there's a f- few, yeah, because there's few, there's few yeah. yeah. So there was one probably nearer Springvale was Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but that was the congregation yeah, of the community. All, yeah, they had the like the red and the white insignia for their clubs, and nobody knew what it meant except the Croatians. <laughs> <No. laughs> <laughs> that was the funny yeah. thing. What I should do, I, I used to take my son when I was younger to a soccer. Yeah. And I knew all the clubs and I knew the political background. Mm-hmm. What I like about the Croatian club, you get there about midday and they'd all be pissed. Oh, absolutely. Or the males, anyway. Well, it was more than soccer, though, because yeah. it was just the place where the community congregated. Yeah. So it was, you know, all the kids played there and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. it was just so did, did it you was pl- kind of that. Did you play yeah. in a team or did you play just at school? I played around? at school mostly. Yeah. yeah. You weren't good enough to get into a team, obviously. No, I was, <laughs> and my mum wouldn't let me play, actually, because um, I, I, actually, I was um, born with a heart problem. Right. So, kind of, yeah, my mum was concerned that if I... You don't look like you've got a heart problem. I know I don't. I mean, this is half the problem. <laughs> this is half, yeah, you're one of these hidden disabilities. <laughs> yes, that's right. A heart pro- You were born with it, or did you acquire a streptococcus infection? No, <laughs> I was born with a heart issue. And and do you want to tell us what it is? Well, it's really complicated. I don't no, no, really hey, this is a complicated... I don't really want to go into it. Right, okay. um, so, yeah. so obviously we call it a congenital heart condition. Yes. Okay. So I All spent right. a lot of time in hospital when I was no. born and stuff. Yeah, so how, how much time did you spend in hospital? Um, I think, according to my mum, mm. it was the first kind of... Much of the first six months right. I was born, mm. but then after that, kind of doctor's appointments all the time and right. all that stuff. Right. Right. So, but I was actually, I actually felt really good growing up. Mm. So I didn't know what all the fuss was about in some ways. Right. But it was just like this impending doom was coming. Well, Kelly, what did you get out of that little snippet of life? Of my interviewing techniques. I was saying that uh, when we um, come back um, from the um, uh, episode, there you must. Um, Warn potential guests that you do, um, you know, give them the <laughs> elbow and in the ribs. Yes, not not metaf- <laughs> metaphorically, <laughs> not physically. <laughs> Look, I can assure you, if you come into the studio, you're not going to be physically assaulted by me. I don't know about Kelly, but I will not lay a hand on you because I'm too old. If I was younger, maybe, maybe. We have a laugh. No, we have a laugh, and the thing is, you kind of make. It's interesting. We had a ju- interesting juxtaposition there. We had the. The soccer bit where we had a bit of a laugh and then, you know, we laughed about his education. Then when he got to a serious issue that he didn't want to go down the path, well, we didn't have a laugh. We just talked about that seriously. See, the thing is, I don't think most people understand that Radical Australia, and I'm going to use a word which I normally don't use, is unique in terms of you doing 56-minute interview. There's no community announcements, no advertising. Now, I know the ABC does some conversation programs on Radio National, which I listen to occasionally, but they have community announcements. They finish five minutes early. They have a music interlude, so they have they have breaks. This is this is a continuous interview for fifty six minutes with somebody sitting. So it's a one to one. So uh, so you learn much more about the person because they don't lose their train of thought. And it's it's fascinating how many people have said things on the program which they've never said to anybody else, which they've experienced. And a lot of people at the end of the interview may find this hard to believe, Kelly, are quite grateful because it does give them something they can actually show their adult children at a later date. No doubt. I have a mini remarking uh, last week. She had, I mean, I think you said to her, 
um, prior to the show, you know, um, you know, you don't really know what you're going to talk about, you know, <laughs> where it's going to lead. And she found herself talking about a whole part of her life that she's never really shared with anybody mm. before. And, um, mm. Mm. yeah, she had a good time. Well, this is not about having – you want to have a good time? You go. <laughs> it is about having a good time. If you want to have a good time, drugs, sex and no. rock and roll. But if you want an interesting <laughs> conversation, it's Radical Australia. Mm. All right, who have we got next? This is from 20th of June 2018. This is Raphael Caleb. Ah. Here's Raphael. For them well, or for you? For them. Right. <laughs> for them. And oh. one of them just said is that with your headspace, you'll either end up doing comedy or you will kill yourself. Oh, and it's didn't, true. You didn't say you end up in jail. Not possible. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't explained to me. What do you mean? How is your headspace different to mine? My headspace is that... Kind of like, I don't know what you think, Joe. No, I don't know what you're thinking either. Well, that makes two of us then. <laughs> I, I, I would never, never, you never know what anybody's thinking. That, that's normal. So tell us, how's, how's your headspace different? How well, do you perceive the world? Well, I don't actually perceive the world. The world is put on this planet to keep me entertained, and that's all it does. Right. So we're here for your benefit. Exactly. So do you have any empathy? What's that? Right. <laughs> You've got, uh, let's put this in, in another way. If I kicked your head right in, right now, I got upset and I bashed you up, you know, because you're sitting on my I'll left side. Usually guests sit on my right side. Do they now? Oh, they always, apart from you, obviously. Thanks, Joe. So if I came over there and smashed your face in, how would you feel about that? I don't like a chance to put it mildly. No, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure I wouldn't be able to do it. Let's say, let's say, hypothetically, one, I wouldn't want to do it because I know you'd punch the living shit out of me. And two, it's not a nice thing to do. Yep, good point. Yeah, how would you feel about it? Well, it's kind of like if you actually did that, Joe, yeah. is that if I didn't end up, with, end up with an acquired brain injury from this actually happening, right. I know what you look like. Right. And, and, and that, that is a problem for you. Yeah. That's normal. That's normal. You haven't told me anything I'm different to your perception. You're telling me, look, I would feel the same way. Yep, okay? sure. You feel the same way. Yep. Okay. But how – I know you think the, we're here for you, you know. That's fair enough. I, I, I think the same way. Maybe maybe I've got the same label. But Sure. But, but how do you perceive the world? That's different to the way I look. I see you. I see you. You're a relatively healthy young man. You've got a bit of a paunch. You're not overweight. You seem pleasant enough. Your head's shaved. You know, I could have a beer with you, smoke a joint. I could do anything like that because you seem a very reasonable character. Now, you label, you put a label on yourself Asperger's, autism, Asperger's. Correct. Yep. How, how, how does that make you different to me or anybody else listening to the program? Well, it's kind of like I said. I tend to live this in the world of, let's say, the sensory overload. Is that? Excuse me. When I say sensory, what is sensory overload? Sensory overload is that I've got a very unusual sense of smell. For example, right? Is I am super sensitive to light, such as the fluorescent light that is in the studio. That's why, that's why I'm in the dark with this the young man. Okay, all right. I'll, I'll accept that. Good. All right. Is that I have very acute hearing. My hearing was tested by an audiologist in 2014. Right. My hearing is at the level of birds. I can hear a fridge running at 25 metres. Right, okay. And I'm not too sure what other people do, right. but the audiologist was 
extremely surprised and said that puts you in a very, very unusual percentage right. of the right. world's population. Right. And, w- and what else? He said, do you know about lumosity brain training, Jay? Well, I'll pretend I don't because you're not talking to me. You're talking to five million people out there listening to this interview, okay? You, you, you tell them what it's all about. Uh, lumosity brain training is put together. It's a program to help people work out on maybe utilise their memory, attention, problem solving, flexibility and speed skills and they've added other aspects of brain training called mindfulness which is to do with meditation, language and maths to do with it. Mm -hmm. I'm already exhausted. Well, what did you learn from that, uh, young Kelly, about interviewing (laughs) techniques? Oh, I've lost my train of thought. I was going to say something. What did you learn, Joe? Uh, What did you reflect upon? Reflect, thank you. I didn't learn. (laughs) I reflected. Sometimes you've got to ask the same question, you know, four or five times in a different manner in order to elicit the response you want. Now, Caleb, he's got... uh, you know, he, he described himself as on the Asperger, you know, on the Asperger's uh, syndrome spectrum. Spectrum, yep. yeah. And what I wanted listeners to understand is how he perceived the world in comparison to somebody else. And eventually, we were able to elicit that from him because that's very difficult. He did a very good job there, but it was a matter of perseverance, but asking in many different ways. And sometimes in an interview, you've got you have to do that in order to elicit the response you want. Now, I do have some advantages over a lot of interviewers. Having a medical background, it gives me a, an insight into into a, a lot of people and a lot of conditions they may suffer, like the other person had a congenital heart condition. So that does give you an interview. It gives you an advantage when you're interviewing. And then, Kelly, you may find this hard to believe, but as you get older, you learn more. It's called experience. Mm, that's good. And, uh, Looking you, forward you, to that. Yeah, like, you know, when I... I Look, I wouldn't threaten to bash every every guest. Oh, that's right. You're going on a bit there, and <laughs> yeah, I went a bit. We went a bit viral there, but that, that was <laughs> fine. That was part of the interview, you know, because you know he was that type of character. Yeah. He, he he got into the groove with it, and he understood. And you know, he was a comedian. You know? That's right. Yeah. Who's next? Who's next to be dissected? We have um, someone from the 30th of January, 2019, Ken Mooney. Oh, He's yes. Ken. Church. My father hated the Catholic Church. My mother hated the Catholic Church. Mm. And um, seems like a normal family. <laughs> That's pretty normal. <laughs> so, so yeah. yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. Who's Have you got friends? Well, an acquaintance. <laughs> and I was talking to her because she's a migrant, and, and I was talking to her. And I said, you know that she can't conceive of people not having a religion, right, like where she comes from. I said, do you realise that one-third of Australians wrote on the census paper they have no religion? And when you think about the fact that we've had over a million migrants, mainly with many with a religious background that have come across in the last five or six years, that means people born in this country, I reckon about one in two would say they have no religion. Mm. Which is mm. an extraordinary number. Which yes, would be, it is. Be a lot of people to execute if we had a Muslim fundamentalist government. Well, there you go. It's weird how we still, even though that's the fact of the matter, and we've known that um, people are getting less and less interested in organised religions as the generations come through, uh, they still say the Lord's Prayer before Parliament in question that's right. time. That's right. It's just that's right. so ridiculous. Well, I should say the what? <laughs> you know why? Because they wouldn't do anything to bloody butter up the country. Excuse they'd have me, to say, "Excuse me, yeah. we're, we're a Judeo-Christian 
country. Do you mind? We're well, going to have legislation. There's going to be. Church, excuse me. Suppose. Come on, we're going to have this anti church discrimination or anti religious discrimination law, which will enable religious organisations to discriminate. Yeah. I love it. But they already do. We already pay for them to do that by, yeah. by funding their schools. But what I was going to say, if you had to let me finish, was that if they say every religion and say their, uh-huh. their prayers, they wouldn't do anything to stop the country up. Well, That's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Yeah, it wouldn't be anything. Look, look, I don't know about you, Ken. I'm, I'm not happy with you. Um, how, as you've, as you've progressed through life, what are the major changes you've noticed around you and your communities you've been living in and working in? Well, there's been a lot of changes because um, we changed the whole structure of the Western side. Now, Kelly, you may have uh, noticed Dale one of the producers of uh, Radical Australia kind of uh, jumped into the conversation there. She may have thought that I was being a little bit too harsh on Ken. Is that right? So that's, that, you can see, if you decide to come on Radical Australia, there is always somebody there to protect you. And it won't be me. <laughs> It'll be me. That's right. Or whoever's, you know, doing it next. But exactly. Me for the moment. The producer. The that's producer. the producer's job. They've got, a, they've got a taser. And if I get out of control, it, I get zapped. Okay, that's what I love about COVID-19, Kelly. You know why? What's that, Joe? Because there's a screen between you and me. It means the taser can't penetrate that's it. That's right. So the guest has to be careful. That's right. Who's next? We've got uh, Taljum, Howard, Choco, Edwards. Ah, old Choco. Here we go. Uh, I used to hang around, hang around the city all the disco, you know, but I get back to Melbourne and I said, where am I going to live, you know? Because I, I, as I said, I lived on the ship. I lived in, in Fitzroy. I went back to the Merchant Navy because they were the, the thing there. Yeah. They wouldn't take me back on, so I just tore up my path by then. And then I see within the first couple of weeks I was back, they got me, they pinched me for in. Oh, and I said, uh, I'm in Victoria Street. Mm. Where am I going to stay? There was an old haunt, Lily Brett's in Victoria Street. I went there. Mm. And these people were staying in Bell Street, Victoria there. And uh, I don't know how long I stayed there, but I... Uh, I know within a couple of weeks I back, they got me, pinched me for insufficient means. Because yeah. uh, well, that's right. People don't understand. This is what, the late 60s? Ah, uh, 60, 68. Yeah, people don't understand. 68, you could actually be jailed for not having any money, <laughs> for being poor. Was that in, I got jailed right. three times for vagrancy, brother. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so within the first couple of weeks I back, I got pinched for sleeping on the train there, a few of sleeping on the train down at Spencer mm. Street. Mm. And a couple of weeks after that, I got pinched for vagrancy. Mm. Mm. And I go to court and I swear that on that almighty Bible that the evidence I will give with the whole truth and nothing but the truth, I am receiving money. And uh, they checked on me, they checked up, I weren't. They gave me two, three months for vagrancy, two years for perjury, right. you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah. and that sort of buggered it up, you know. And uh, yeah. then I... So, it, look, uh, I'll just give a station to identification. Ah, yeah, it's yeah. 440. 440. 440, you haven't yeah. even started yet. <laughs> 440. I'm nearly there. Yeah, uh, well, I'm going to bring you to a halt in a minute. Oh, yeah. This is Radical Australia on Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Yeah, yeah. If you want to hear this uh, right. chat. So we speak all sections of society. Now, Choco's had a few uh, brushes with the law. Uh, the type of thing that uh, we still see uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders uh, having to deal with today. So we speak to uh, lots of people and we're interested in 
what I would describe as real experience. This is not Instagram. Radical Australia is not Instagram where you put these beautiful pictures of you with your, you know, your lovely pecs and your, you know, your breast implants and kind of say, this is me when you, you know, when you're 140 kilos and ugly, you know, this is real. This is a real interview. You can be 140 kilos and ugly like me and do the interview, but you don't see it. It's not like Instagram. Well, we have um, someone from this year, um, 3rd of March. This is Jill Elizabeth Horton. And he'd been there since 75, since independence. And and, uh, so I had an invitation by him to go to uh, P&G. And so by invitation, I was allowed to apply for a visa and I was accepted. But I did not tell anyone that I was going there. I did not tell immigration when I arrived that I was going to Manus Island. So I just booked a separate ticket and I flew to Manus. But it was under the cover. You couldn't nah. you couldn't blatantly say that you were going to go to Manus. You well, had to lie. That's what I wanted to wanted people to understand. We you know they think we've got a free media and we got right of travel Definitely and all that not. stuff. No, that's what I want people to understand. So how did you go about your activities on Manus and were you Well and were you uh, stopped in any way? Well, yes. I I I um I was not going to hide like a lot of the other people that had gone there to meet people and get to see was going on and of course you take a lot of goods with you um things that they can't buy there because it's such a uh, tiny island it's not a tiny island but it's a tiny place to get resources so we would take a lot of things um so i you know met lots of manusians when i was there got to know them i was not going to go and hide in my room because immigration may come across me so I went and I met lots of locals. I went and did, uh, they celebrated uh, Women's International Women's Day. I went in their parade with them. I went to schools. I met with environmental people that were really concerned about what was going on with the water rising, with pollution. Um, and then I met the guys. I went over to the RPC where they were held. I took a boat right to there. I went around to where the naval base was at the back of the RPC where the men were being held. Mm -hmm. And we weren't allowed to go inside where the gates were, but I could go onto the property. Um, And I could go onto the outskirts of it because there was a little village that was around it. So I did as much research as I could in discovering what it was like. I was interviewing um, locals. I was talking to the guys, finding out what the experience really was for them as well, uh, how they were feeling. They, by then, were able to come and go. Yes, that was an extraordinary interview. And, uh, see, uh, she's involved in these campaigns to assist refugees, and she is assisting refugees to get to Canada from Manus Island and Nauru. And what she was able to do with the program is use it, use the podcast, and uh, reuse the podcast among her supporters uh, to uh, promote what she was doing. Yeah, it's also a great platform for getting your cause or your um, mm. passion mm. out there, isn't mm. it? Yes, but there is a price to pay. We talk about you for 45 minutes and then we'll talk about your passion, your latest passion. We'll talk about your early passions first because you're not just one. You know, nobody's a one-trick pony. Well, most people aren't. I'm a one-trick pony because I'm a show pony, but most other ponies and not one-trick ponies. but So it is a mechanism via which you can use the podcast 
later on to put on your on your own uh, virtual platforms and uh, use it to promote yourself and what you're doing. So there is that uh, thing, and the, the, the tragedy is we don't get a penny for it. Oh, I don't mind. You don't mind. No, no. you're the producer. You don't <laughs> care. You know, I just I just find it fascinating. Every week I get to hear um, someone else's story, and mm. it's a beautiful thing. You know, all these um, – different ways that people have um, grown up in different places in Australia or overseas and all the different paths that have led to people becoming um, passionate about a progressive cause. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't call them progressive causes. I just call them important causes. Well, you know. yeah, they're important causes. There are things that aren't important and there are things that are important. And anybody we interview obviously has an important Course. Even just people with um, interesting life stories you've had on. Yeah, you know, yeah. They don't have to be activists per no, se. No, 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 no. You don't have to kind of change the world or change legislation or, you know, go into jail. But, you know, everybody has a story. Every human being on the planet has a story. I can't interview 7 billion people here on Radical Australia, but I can interview you if you're willing to come into the studio. The thing about the last interview is you notice the quality wasn't as good because the guest that was during COVID-19, the guest had to use a telephone. So if you can make it into the studio, yeah, it makes it a lot clearer. It does. All right, who's next? Next up, we're going way back to May 2016. Mm-hmm. We've got your to your to disability activist, Maurice Hanari. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Which is quite good. Uh, so I'm involved in that as well as like... If anyone gets into trouble, the police will ring me up and tell me, or cat team from the Frankston Hospital say we've got an Aboriginal kid here, mm. you know, and we don't. He's not telling us what he's taking. He's not telling us where he lives or that. Would you like to come in? So yeah, I'll get up and go in there when I can. But you're, you must be over seventy-five. How old? I am seventy-five and 70, a bit. And a bit. Yeah, you're seventy-five and a bit, and yeah. you're still involved. You're yes. not watching TV or playing bingo. No, I, oh, I do watch TV, <laughs> and I knit for the homeless. Right, you knit for the so, homeless. So yes, yeah. I, I make beanies and mittens and yeah, things but, like that. But what drives you at seventy-five? Because I've been there and done it. Yeah, I've walked. Of... I've walked in their shoes, and I know how hard it is to exist. And I know how hard it is when you think I've had enough, I want to commit suicide. Don't think it's a gutless way out or anything like that. It's hard when you think I've had enough. It is really hard. And then you survive and you think, you know, life is good. There are good people. But everybody tells us there are all these agencies that are there to help the homeless and the poor and the dispossessed. Mm. What's wrong? I mean, there's billions of dollars going to these welfare agencies, billions of dollars. And it's going in their pockets. It's going in their pockets. It's not really... It's not really helping a lot of people. Okay, they get a bit of food and they might give them some bread and some milk or something like that at at different times, but there's nothing fresh. There's no vegetables. There's no fruit. There's no yoga or anything like that. And then I've seen different churches where they've said, you know, we'll help you out with a bit of food. You get there and you get a box of uh, cheesels and all the wrong things and lollies and all this and that. And you don't get toothpaste. You don't get washing soap, even though you can't eat it. You need it to stop scabies because when you live on the street, it's rampant. Mm. So, yeah. And once you get there, it's, what, $25, $30 for the box. Yeah, yeah. So if that's charity... Well, it isn't. Yeah. Well, but, but, but there are billions of dollars going to these so-called yeah. 
welfare agency since welfare is being privatised yeah. and put in there. It's not getting out there. No, it's in your not. Experience. That's right. It's not. No. I mean, I've seen people go into the Salvation Army and said, I'm hungry. Mm. And then what do they do? They give them a few packets of two-minute noodles. Mm. They've got nowhere to cook it. They're not living anywhere. Where are they going to cook two-minute mm. noodles? Mm. So they eat them raw, mm. you know, and then they get sick and then they get worms because they're eating the wrong things. Mm. You know, they're not taking them, giving them mashed potatoes and greens and stuff like that. Mm. Well, I've got a, a patient who rang me from... Uh, Seattle. She moved there with her husband about eight months ago, mm. and she's a, Christ, a Christian fundamentalist. And she said, "What they've done there is they've given over their church to the homeless." And what happened? It can be done in Frankston. It can be done anywhere. Yeah, yeah. What actually happens is that people come in, they cook them a meal, yeah, look, yeah. Um, they eat with. Again, them. these are real life experiences, and these are people who've put, you know, hours and hours and weeks and days of their lives assisting the people around them in their local communities who you never hear about who make all the difference and you know that's the type of people we interview on radical australia as as you've shown us young kelly there's been a huge range of opinions now we've got time for one more we do this is from march 2017 this is alison thorne can actually get um an app with various bird sounds and things on it. All right. Mm. Oh, that's interesting. I've only got a bird book. <laughs> it, it is nice being in the hide, isn't it? It's quite mm. relaxing. It yeah. is. Yeah. I assume you've been to the one at Seaford, the one down there. Mm, yeah. yeah, the Edithale Wetlands. Edithale Wetlands, mm. yeah. So what, what got you interested in birds? Mm. What, is that hobby as a child? Or? No. Like, I think... Um, it's probably because I'm not um, a great walker. I have some, like, just issues with my feet. Mm-hmm. And I like getting out into the great outdoors. And bird watching is just something you can do and enjoy without feeling like you have to kind of get from A to B. Mm-hmm. Is there any particular bird that you were so excited about seeing anything yes um there was uh i was actually at howard springs um near darwin and i saw a rainbow pitter um that was very exciting would be, yeah. mm. I don't think people realise how exciting it can be. You know? Oh, it's like it's just incredible. You know, to to see like is incredible, but if you can get a fantastic photo, like even more so. But last year, when I was in the US for the Freedom Socialist Party convention, I went to the Olympic Peninsula uh, a few da- for a few days after the convention, and I got this amazing photo of an American dipper, which is this, you know, like little whiz around, um, tiny little bird. Mm. And like mm. I got for like fantastic photos of it. And I, like I was very proud of that one too. As you're nearing retirement age, as mm. you, I mean, work-wise, not politically. Mm. Well, that's it. We, uh, now, hopefully, you've become enthusiastic about coming in and being interviewed on uh, Radical Australia. And if you can't come in, well, we could do a telephone interview now. If you want to come in or do a telephone interview, and I recommend you do, uh, we don't, uh, you know, we don't, what's the word? We don't uh, vet our guests. 
we we don't go out there looking for the uh, for a story. We know every guest has got a story, so you can leave a message on zero four three nine three nine five four eight nine. Zero four three nine three nine five four eight nine. Conversely, you could send an email yep. to Radical Australia Three CR at gmail dot com. That's Radical Australia Three CR at gmail dot com. And also, if you um, if you yourself don't want to come on, but there's somebody else you think's got a good story, um, mm. put them forward. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Dale, who was responsible for many of the interviews uh, before Kelly came on board, and I'd like to thank Kelly for uh, producing this hot pot. It's a pot real pleasure. It's a real pleasure, Joe. I really enjoyed doing the program. It's great. Good. I know, I know you had reservations. You didn't think it'd be interesting, but uh, it's <laughs> really up to our listeners whether they find it interesting or not. And if they find it interesting, that's good. And if they don't. Well, bad luck. It's a bit like, um, you know, slow television. Yeah, yeah. It's like slow radio, but sometimes you just need to calm down and mm. actually listen to a good yarn for an hour. Yeah. You know? Remember what they Take said? Take the time. Remember what they say? Remember what the Aboriginal people say here in Victoria, Robbie and all the rest of them? Fire first. That's them. And what do you do around the campfire? You tell yarns, mm. and that's what it's about. Think of yourself sitting at a campfire telling yarns in the pouring rain. All the best. See you next week. So it's up to us, the people. We need a treaty in this country. We need the end to the war in this country. And the only way we can do that is through a peace treaty. Not the one you see in Victoria, not the one you see in Queensland, not the one you see in the Northern Territory, because they talk treaty and still lock our people up. They still kill our people. They still desecrate our land and our water. A treaty means peace. A treaty means equality. And a treaty means justice. Thank you. Subscribe to 3CR in 2021. Feed Radical Radio. Subscribe today. Go to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call the station on 94198377. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.